It's episode 982, and it's a relevant podcast here in Orlando because I missed my flight to Kenya. It's Cameron Strang, and uh, joining oh! me. Oh, <laughs> dang! Yep. Are you serious? You oh, missed 100%. it, or did it get canceled? Oh Does no! It matter? I, Does it I matter? missed it. Uh, joining me from Loverland, Virginia, <laughs> uh, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul Derek Miner. What up? And joining us because she's back from Italy, artist, or, or sorry, I author. I want to be an artist, yes. <laughs> author, podcaster, mogul in her own right, uh, Jamie Ivey. Welcome back, Jamie. Hey, guys. I'm so happy to be back. Jamie, it, it feels like a lifetime since we've done one of these with with the four of us. And, and yes. you've been, you've been uh, you know, globetrotting mm-hmm. for the last several weeks can you bring us up to speed on 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 the the Ivy family travels and what's been going on? Listen, all six of us left on well, we landed in Italy on June first, and we landed back in America midnight, almost July first. So we were literally gone Dang. for an entire month, um, going all around Italy. We stayed in four different Airbnbs. We ate more pasta than any human should. Drank wine every single day. Cheese, bread, all the things. The beaches are amazing. It's hot as Hades in Rome. And it was just, it was so much fun. I'm telling you, big kids are a dream because I didn't carry anyone a suitcase. I didn't, mm. Aaron and I went to bed before everybody else. I mean, it was just, it was a dream trip. Uh, it was mm. so fun. And then every once in a while, we'd get on the news and see that America was imploding. So we were like, can we just stay in Italy forever? <laughs> Can I just, can I, I, you just connected the dots for me. What? You leave, America implodes. I know. I'm leaving. Uh, oh, well, I don't want to stay. I want to leave again. Well, then, no, 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 You no, got to no, think, no, no. think of the, the greater grace good. Of God is with okay. you. The grace of God is with you. You can't just be flying out of here. Oh, <laughs> I haven't been on social you. media. I haven't been on social media. I feel like there's been a couple of things happening on social media. Nah, I haven't been there nobody's... since the end of May. And Oh, yeah. Nobody's arguing or anything. No, Everything that's what I've heard. I've heard everyone's is... just being Christ-like with their, with their love and their kumbaya. opinions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, but it was so great. Jamie, you know, I I consider myself a an expert on Italian culture and mm. contemporary cuisine. <laughs> mainly because, because Little Caesars. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> mainly because of the yeah. You may have heard of uh one of the the uh experts, uh Papa 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 Jan, I believe he's pronounced right. um <laughs> Papa Jan in Italian culture. No, but I do watch a lot of like I watch I love like Chef's Table, I love mm-hmm. like Somebody Feed Phil and uh, David Chang and all these like food and travel shows. And, you know, you know, each one, it's impossible for a Netflix show to do one of those without like three episodes that are in beautiful parts of Italy where like delightful people who've worked on the same dairy farm for 15 generations, like knock on a wheel of Parmesan cheese with a little tiny hammer to see if it's ready for consumption. And And you see like... Little tiny food creations created with like butane uh, lighters <laughs> and like the purest in grapes on earth to for some sort of weird little edible, you know, visual uh-huh. creation. So I feel like I'm an expert, as you can tell from my description. <laughs> yes. Here. 
Did you go to one of these incredible, weird Italian, uh, high concept Michelin star restaurants? Okay, I will tell you this is a family of six traveling for a month is very, very expensive. And so we did our fair share of eating at home. Like y'all know my husband loves to cook. And so we would like get into a town. We were in one town for 14 days. So we'd hit the grocery store. We like live life there. Um, Aaron and I had our 20... first anniversary while we were there and we went to a michelin star restaurant that we had been at previously before when we were in italy in 2019 it is so so good and so we did experience that but we also experienced a lot a lot of like small town i mean we were just driving through lots of different towns small towns and the joy of being in italy for 30 days is we went to like four different regions all the food is so different and in every different place it's so different and so that was really exciting for our kids but we did have some amazing 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 food what was the best thing you eat, you ate, and why was it just takeout pizza? Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, why okay, was so, it Pizza Hut? <laughs> a couple of things. Number one is there's this restaurant in Rome called uh, Danzo. We've been there before. We waited in line for an hour and a half, you guys. Would you do that for a restaurant? Yes, you would if it yeah. was this restaurant. Oh, sure. Of course. And it was amazing. But then another one of my favorite things, I told you all, Aaron cooked a lot. We would find little old Italian women who are hand making pasta like they made it that morning you buy it at two you eat it at five those are some of our favorite meals that Aaron would make because the little miss sweet mama Maria made it that morning and it was so so very good so we experienced a lot of great things I so, so you're I basically describing I've been, Olive Garden I've been to Denzo isn't it so good it's it's the it's our favorite meal of the entire trip. You, you, you said it, and I was like, I feel like I've been there, yeah. and I looked it up. I have been there. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so really so good. good. J- Jamie, real talk. Just let's be real, okay? Because some of these foods are an acquired taste. All right, you know, and I'm sure they're delightful to eat fresh from the countryside. That uh, you know, mm-hmm. an Italian grandmother, you know, lovingly crafted that morning. But I've also had, I've also mowed down some breadsticks at Olive Garden. <laughs> I've had, I've had the tour of Italy there. I've eaten numerous things <laughs> at their, at their on their menu. And despite their, you know, lack of access to fresh Italian ingredients, you know, they have food labs and, and you know they invest a lot of money on to make this Italian pretty good. Re- it, it, just forget there are lots of people listening. It's just you and I here, Jamie. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you had, if you had a, like a fresh Italian meal and like something really good off the Olive Garden menu, be real. Is there any comparison? <laughs> just be real, because because I I will take someone to Olive Garden who's not a believer in like real talk. This is pretty good. Like this is not a bad one. Jesse, there is no way that Olive Garden even remotely compares to the po- the worst pasta I ate in Italy. Of course, I'm not saying quality of pasta. <laughs> I'm saying quality of meal. Okay, to, okay. To the listener I, who is now worried about Jesse, he's sitting back from the mic smiling because he's <laughs> messing course. with y'all. No, I'm taking vigorous <laughs> notes because <laughs> I've Listen, gotten Olive Garden is good for cards. one thing. It is good for college kids because you go and you get those breadsticks with a side of Alfredo and some salad, and it's your whole meal. I did. That's what I lived on in college. But, yeah. 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 I was a yeah, Bennigan's person oh. in college. Bennigan's. Bennigan's. Uh, I, 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 person. I saw. I, I saw a mother changing a, a child's diaper on a table in Bennigan's, and that no. was the last time I went there. <laughs> they, <it> was, <laughs> they, they didn't. You know, the diaper changing rules were not enforced. Like I would. You know, like them to be at a chain restaurant. So Bennigan's is off. I've never seen that. Never seen those shenanigans at an Olive Garden. You know what, guys? I did think when I was flying home. You know, it's like a forever flight home. I thought yeah. that I wanted to ask you guys this question. 
Cameron, you just said you missed your flight to Kenya. We've all traveled internationally. When you were on an international flight, again, you're on it for seven, nine, ten hours, forever. You get comfortable. 14 is my flight to Kenya. Okay, 14. Do you go to the restroom in just your socks? Oh, okay, I, I will, never I will be honest socks about on an airplane. I will be honest about this. I used, no, to, I used to be that person. Okay. <sighs> used to. Until I read an article on Twitter about airline attendants, least favorite customer habits, blah, blah, blah. And like the and, and tips of like, don't drink the ice because the they never clean the water filter oh. and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like only have bottled drinks on a plane, that kind of stuff. And they said like the number one hygiene issue is people who, you know, cause your feet swell on a long flight. So people take their shoes off to let yeah. their feet breathe. Yes. But the thing that disgusts them the most, and then they talked about like what they've seen in the bathroom and people yes. have been putting that on their socks. Yes. After I read that, I've never once done it again. I'm reformed. I I I will slide my shoes back on yes, to go up too. to the restroom. Okay. I yeah. just thought I I saw that happen. I sat right next to the bathroom on the way home and I wanted to tell everyone, you're stepping in. Like that's all you're yeah. doing right now is you're yeah. stepping in and then you're getting all over this plane. So I was yeah. grossed out, but I was wondering about you guys. So I'm glad to be here with you guys. I didn't plan to be here with you guys. My life has been okay. Here, here's a what little happened? tip. I was very, very tired. Oh, you literally <laughs> missed your flight. You did, yeah. not the airlines. Oh no, no, it was me. First time in my life, I, I I had to fly from Orlando to New York, New York to Nairobi, and my flight. I I had to leave the house at five thirty in the morning single dad i'm you know staying up late taking care of house stuff and then i'm finally packing i'm packing until about four in the morning i have an hour before i need to get up and shower tell me you did not go to sleep in that hour set my alarm i left all my lights on turned the tv on so i wouldn't fall into a deep sleep set my alarm on my phone put my phone on my chest and then Opened my eyes at 7.30 in the morning, 20 minutes before my flight was leaving. So it's like, yeah, I panic. So here's what I learned the hard way. It's not like rebooking a domestic flight. I'll just catch the next flight to Uh New York. No, Air Kenya has one flight from New York to Nairobi a day. And if you're going to Kenya for three days and you you know don't have a lot of options, I am actually, after a whole lot of hours on hold, I am going next week. Uh, I leave... Because it was the other weird thing, Jamie, is that I had pre-planned. Jesse and I are going to NBA Summer League in Las Vegas when the Kenya opportunity came up because it's this crisis happening. It was a last minute trip. Mm -hmm. So we attached it to my existing trip. So I was flying to Kenya and from Kenya to Las Vegas, which is just not smart whiplash emotionally and so now we had to flip it that i'm going to vegas first and flying from vegas to nairobi i am telling you i have been on the phone for probably 15 hours in the last three days trying to make all these arrangements happen including up until about five minutes ago i was still on the phone with american airlines because of jesse's travel having to change because my travel changed so we're good we're going we are going to go watch some some uh, number one pick action and then i'm going to go see a humanitarian crisis so there you go so let's talk about accountability (laughs) Uh. (laughs) hey here's the worst of it the magic play our first game is thursday night Right. That's uh, why we're going is to see the magic right, flight yeah. Thursday night. Jesse can't come until Friday. So I'm flying in by myself, spending Thursday in Vegas by myself. So good upstanding Christian young man, like gonna do the right thing. You I'm gonna go it, to Cameron. the game. I'm going to my room and Jesse will be there when I wake up. So we're I, good. I'm fully hey, so expecting. No, we're gonna pray together. We're gonna pray together <laughs> while you're out there. I'm, I'm going to the game and I'm going face, to my room. Face time. 
FaceTime. I'm fully you. anticipating showing up to the room and Cameron's things are just thrown everywhere and he's missing and we find ourselves plunged into a two man hangover situation. Jesse, go up to the roof. Go to the roof first. If I'm yeah. anywhere, I'm on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. So that's gonna be weird. But we're doing yeah, we're doing a couple days of basketball. That'll be a lot of fun. And then we're I'm heading to Kenya after that and then so I won't be with you guys I, I, next I'm week. Hoping, I'm hoping just unsolicited, this is my year where they just call me in and be like, you want to open audition right now for the Summer League team? Okay, okay. We're man down. This guy looks like he's geared up, ready to go. Don't I'll be wearing. I'm, I'm wearing nothing but athletic clothes and hoping that this is the big break. I'm going to bring my coach's clipboard and just sidle up. I'm there just going to like, this is they the don't opportunity. know. It's not the normal coaching staff. It's like the B-League. They play just, just, fast just do like fake clay and just walk out on the court. Just yeah. dress up as like somebody 100%. and walk out hey, on the court. Act like you've been there. I mean, that's what you got to do. In life. Act like right. you belong. Act like you've been yeah. there. It's yeah. all general admission, so it's not like they're like ushers checking your tickets. Yeah. So I can just like wander down there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I fully expect to get arrested while Jesse's not with me. So. <laughs> I'll text yeah, you first, if that first, happens, stop, Jesse. first stop's the roof. Second stop is the tiger cage at the zoo. Third stop is the Las Vegas County Jail. And we'll yeah. find him. Oh we'll find him. Yeah, you'll find me. Uh, we have yeah. a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, actor John Cho joins us. You may know him from like movies like Star Trek and Columbus and a bunch of others. He has a new film out that we talked to him about and also the writer of the film. It's called Don't Make Me Go joins us as well. That's coming up later. We also have your feedback, but stay tuned right now. Coming up next, Tyler joins us for Relevant Buzz. Good red lipstick painted on You're listening to Need to Breathe. The song is Talk of the Town. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show live from Paris, France, where he just saw Harry Styles last night. Yeah. Tyler Huckabee. Hey, Tyler. Bonjour. Hey, Bonjour, Tyler. everybody. Hey, hey. hey. Look hey, at the man. whole crew. Oh, it feels good. Feels <laughs> Crew's uh, back. I'm, I'm in Paris. Yeah. But I feel like I'm back home in some way right now, just being right here right now with y'all. Bro, He's, where are you at right now? It looks like your house is upside down, bro. I ain't gonna even lie. I, oh, I was camera. gonna say, it looks like, I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna paint a picture real quick because it, 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 I feel like Tyler is 
broadcasting right now from the uh, whole of a ship. Like, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, <laughs> what I picture the podcast studio in heaven from the Bruce Almighty movies looks like. He's wearing a white he a shirt. White t-shirt. There's, there's, yep. there's, his hair is sort of gently blowing in the breeze as sunlight goes exactly. through like a window. Yeah, yeah, Everything he's backlit is all white by a window, clean. so he's got this halo around his I head. I fully yeah. expect that Morgan Freeman is in the background in a white suit engineering this your yeah. your audio right now, Tyler. Yeah, I should I should I should have clarified when I said Paris. What I meant is I suffered an unfortunate and untimely accident. <laughs> I was accepted into heaven. Thank goodness. But I'm also very devoted to this job and to this Yo. team. And I want to, didn't want to leave anybody. Didn't want to. So I am. So I'm bringing you the buzz from the great beyond. And, this and I'm, I'm and excited. Forever. I'm excited to come to you on your local NPR station from the latest podcast from heaven. Each week, we'll be talking about the afterlife, harps, angels, wings, pearly gates, who knows what else. Tune in and be sure to leave us a rating and review and it better be a good one for your soul sake. I just sent a screenshot to the chat. Somebody got to post this on Twitter at some point. Like this has to go up. Like okay. my man's is literally on a Zoom call from heaven. Like that that's is. what it looked like. Yeah, we probably need to watch it for the that everything is good up here. Hey guys, you're going to love it up here, man. Like <laughs> Next week I'll be broadcasting from the Las Vegas jail, so oh you know, God. we'll have yeah. 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 they're watching yeah. a new pod yeah. too. Maybe a good word in for listen, you. Hey, real talk. I would listen to a podcast that's recorded in the Las Vegas jail. It's just a podcast of, all right, what'd you do? What'd you do? Why are you here? That's all, everyone would listen to that. It's a great idea, Cameron. It's, Martha. Idea. it's two hours of people just going, I didn't do nothing, man. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> well, it started off when my buddy's flight got delayed and I had a night all to myself. <laughs> all right. So what's going on this week, Tyler? I know you saw uh, Harry Styles last night. So is that going to be the, the bulk I of did. your update? No, no. No, that, that that you got it. You got to be there. You got to see that. I, yeah, I did. I did get to see Harry Styles here. It's, a, it's it was it's Liz's birthday week, so that was that was part of her birthday present was taking her down to see Harry Styles. But that's not on the buzz. If you want to know about that, then her Instagram stories are full of it. You can find her there. But I did want to talk about a different celebrity, and uh, and you guys may have seen. I don't know if this news traveled on vacation or how far this went. It happened uh happened about a week ago. Uh, but it really blew it. This was an interesting piece of news because it's one of those things that I feel it was it was proof. It showed why you need some religion reporters on your pop culture beat, and why you might end up being a little lost if you don't have somebody who at least has a little bit of of religious knowledge or some familiarity with the landscape. And it was a piece of news about Chris Pratt. Did you guys see this? You know what I'm talking about? No. About our about our man Chris Pratt. No, I didn't. I oh, missed it because the yeah, whole right. world was on fire. Yeah, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. This wasn't the top of the this wasn't the headline of the New York Times, but it was an interesting story. But so it made Chris the news Pratt. up in heaven. So it made oh, the news yes. here. Yeah, we I mean yeah. we're we're pretty I don't know if you're aware of this, but in, in heaven we're we're pretty on the Chris Pratt beat yeah. up here. We, we keep tabs on our guy. Yeah. 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 Front page of of, of the lifestyle section of the, the <laughs> yeah, Heaven Daily heaven, Gazette. The Heaven Daily, yeah. yeah. Uh. yeah. We get, so Chris Pratt was on the cover of Men's Health and uh, he was he went into a pretty lengthy and I would say I would say very interesting conversation uh, about his faith and about some of the sort of like semi controversies that he kind of gets like he ends up being kind of a punching bag on social media a lot of times for various reasons some of which seem valid some of which don't seem super valid to me and he he dissected it with I thought uh, a good deal of humility and and thoughtfulness and I thought he handled himself very well but one one quote that he gave made a lot of rounds. 
Uh, and this, and I'll read you the quote right now, and I want to see if you guys can maybe figure out why people found this quote so confusing. Uh, he said, quote, I am not a very religious person. Religion has been very oppressive for a long time. I didn't know that I would kind of become the face of religion when I started talking about this because I'm not religious at all. So this was obviously the headline. Like this was what people ran with is Chris Pratt after years of talking a, a lot about his faith and about being a Christian and sharing Bible verses and talking about uh, his, you know, his faith with his wife uh, is now saying that he's not religious. And this was treated as sort of like a deconversion thing uh, by a lot of outlets. But I'm wondering if you guys could maybe given your uh, familiarity with the world that he comes from, yeah. maybe have a little more of an idea of what he's actually saying here. Right. Unfazed by it. He's, he's, saying right. I, I have a relationship with Jesus and a genuine faith. Don't Correct. lump me in with like religious judgmentalism. That's not me. I'm not those people. But yeah, it doesn't mean he deconverted. Yeah. yeah. No. It, well, it, no. it, yeah, because especially in the context he's saying it, it's the context of which I feel like it's presented <laughs> repeatedly in the Gospels, which is, you know, a, you know, sort of vilification of legalism and religious religiosity is that am i pronouncing that right where jesus would would basically tell you know pharisees and sadducees and religious leaders hey your over focus on religion and rules is oppressive to people i mean i feel like for people who grew up in contemporary evangelicalism it was pretty common for them to say you know this is a re- this is a relationship not a religion you know i mean right. that was just part of the sort of vernacular so i, I don't uh-huh. think it's as controversial as people are making it but no, well, I don't if think you're so not inside the bubble like us exactly. to hear i'm not religious yeah. they go oh he's not a christian you know so yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's the sort of thing you could say at like church and or you know chad veach his pastor i'm sure has talked about this with him quite a bit i would imagine and uh, it makes a lot of sense but either he didn't go into further context in this interview or that or those quotes just didn't make the the final cut which is which is definitely possible as well so so it was inter- and it is a good reminder for all those other outlets out there uh got to make sure you have a few people with a little bit of religion know-how on your radar before but you let's be before honest you this. though all right let's let's look at this headline chris pratt says hey he's still a christian but he's not oppressive or yeah. Chris uh, Pratt says he's not a Christian anymore. Which one's gonna get us more clicks? Even if they knew, even if they knew, we know the headline we rolling with, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know that's what's gonna happen. So he doesn't want to like bury it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't think Chris Pratt's a pretty decent guy. Is going to be a good headline for a lot of people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chris Pratt, more or less the same person that, that as you thought he was before this interview. Anyway, exactly. movie, that's not my yeah, idea. Doesn't really doesn't your sell a lot of papers. Are probably right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris Pratt, really. the same as before. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. slightly more famous, but pretty much the same otherwise. Yeah, especially considering how hard of a spin because he's been getting mm-hmm. smashed for like the past two years for his. Even when he says something like nice, he's like, man, Jesus loves you. Well, look at him trying to force Jesus on Star-Lord. And you know what I mean? It's like uh, crazy stuff. So it's like uh, now then to come out with something like this, it would feel like a bombshell. It's like, nah, man, there's yeah. no way. Even, bro, it could have been a, whoever broke that story could have had a writer's room full of priests, nuns, and Southern Baptist preachers and a monk. And the headline we got today was still going to come out. It, it's like, yeah. that's how the media works. 
And Cameron, I think we said it's like when you watch like a, a mainstream comedy and there's a scene set in a church. They basically just take an amalgamation of every like stereo, like there's like yeah. a random nun working there, but there's like a contemporary mm-hmm. like praise band. The pastor's uh-huh. wearing some sort of odd robe with symbols. And it's like, I, you know, there there's ornamental Bibles everywhere. You're like, I'm not sure what kind of, of Christianity this is, but I get this is just the pre-concept of what, it, it, you know, of what we kind of stereo typically say yeah it doesn't always get the most nuanced representation in, in pop culture and I, I think I aren't we all like trying to separate ourselves from like oppressive like quote-unquote religion that you know yeah. keeps popping up everywhere yeah. and we're trying to be like no wait 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 like we follow jesus he's not oppressive like we we, we are christ followers we're christians we're not like oppressive this kind of religion stuff and i feel like that that can be taken up he, you know, he's Chris Pratt. Like any of us say that, we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. But like uh, people would take that and run with it and it would be completely messed up. I feel bad for him because the dude's just trying to like go to church and live his life and do what he does. Yeah, make and he's and got TV a genuine shows. faith and he's just like, he's doing his job and like just goes to church like any of us do. And then he gets lumped in with every every church scandal like literally every Why time is that for him yeah. <laughs> because he's the only famous church going person that yeah. hollywood knows and so they're like well if this mega church pastor is corrupt what does chris pratt yeah. have to say about that and it's just like wait what and he's just like i don't know that guy you know yeah. so, like he got lumped in with hillsong, hillsong the, yeah. a lot of their skin despite never he was not a, he did not go to hillsong never attended hillsong and yeah. somehow got kind of got caught in some of the crossfire of, of because, what went down there. He does, because he fits the description. He's well, the 30-something-year-old right, he, he white man. You and he I'm goes saying? to Zoe Church. He goes to Chad Beach's church. And obviously Chad sure. and like Carl Lentz and uh, they were all very intertwined in a certain era. And so Chris knows those guys and stuff. But he didn't go to Hillsong. And you know what's crazy is like I heard, I was on TikTok or something a month ago and there was some podcast that posted a clip about like religious corruption and conspiracies. And they were talking about Chris Pratt and they literally, this is how far the internet takes it. And this is why I feel so bad for him. They Mm. literally said that Hillsong is a cult and that Chris Pratt was in the cult and that the cult leaders of Hillsong appointed or arranged marriages. And that originally, this is what the podcast said. Originally, Chris Pratt was going to be paired with Haley Bieber, but the cult leaders at Hillsong wanted him to be uh, paired with the Shriver because they want him to go into politics after he's done acting. And so the cult leader is like arranging these marriages and stuff. And they sat there and like talked themselves into it. And And people will believe that. People will believe it. People will believe it. It was famous enough that it came across my Feed, right? I mean, it's yeah, like yeah, this no is way. getting traction, look, and I was just like, look, "That's crazy." Ain't no way, bro. First off, I'm glad my new podcast is doing well. I'm just getting out there. <laughs> so, thanks for all the ratings and reviews. It's, it's, the algorithm is clearly working. It's, but, 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 working. It's, like, it's like, yeah, it, it, it went from a leap to a, a guy who has, you know is excited to share kind of the joy of his authentic faith to basically yeah. he 
he's the Tom Cruise of some weird uh, right, Hollywood right, cult. Right, you know right, what I mean? Like yeah. to, as to like Scientology, but yeah, that that just kind of the other thing that's not working in his favor. He's just, he has an incredibly competitive first name in Hollywood right now. And when <laughs> when and just the, yeah. we, listen, the edit Tyler, you know this as well uh, as as I do. In the current era of entertainment journalism, the listicle has a, a, an overbearing influence on easy content that will get cr- clicks. And if you have a bunch of people with the same name, you're going to feel compelled to rank them. And ranking of the Chris's has not done him any favors too. If no, his name no. was like Stefan or something, something that, that wasn't Stephen competitive Pratt. with yeah. other, you know, let's face it, white male actors who stay in really good shape and do action movies and superhero movies. I don't feel like he would have the same comparisons that, that he's dealing with now. Sure. You know? sure. Yeah. I, I think that's probably true. Um, All right. What else is going on, Tyler? Yeah, so uh, unrelated to this, I wanted to see if you guys had any. I I, I had a theory, and I, and you guys confirmed it about that last one. This one I'm curious a little bit about because I'm I'm not quite sure what to attribute this to. But there's a new, really interesting new study from Gallup. They've been asking this question every for the every year for the last thirty years about Americans' confidence in U.S. institutions. Uh, institutions being things like the military, the police, banks, uh, Supreme Court, the presidency, newspapers, things like that. So you might not be surprised to hear that in 2022, our our trust in almost all of these things are at record lows. They have been declining (laughs) a little bit year over year for the last 30 years, and uh, and they have continued their long and and sharp decline down. Uh, Eleven. Of the 16 institutions tested saw a sharp decline, meaning 10 points or more over the last year. The average confidence across all institutions was at a low of 27%. Uh, This low includes the church and organized religion in general. Uh, Only 31% of Americans, according to Gallup, say they have confidence in that. That's down from 37% in the previous year. 31% is pretty low. Uh, but That's actually one of the higher ones ranked here, actually. That's still on the top. Top five uh, at the very bottom of the list. Uh, Congress, only 7% of Americans say they have any trust in, in Congress. That's down from 12%. Number two is TV news at the bottom there. That's at 11%. And then big business at 14%. Uh, all three federal branches of the government recorded their lowest confidence uh, ever recorded in the last 30 years since this started being asked. The only institution, and I think they stretch the word institution here a little further than you than is necessary, maybe. The only institution in which a plurality of Americans still say they have confidence is small business. Uh, small uh, 70% or 68% rather of Americans say they have confidence in small business. That's down from 70%, not a sharp decline, a small decline from the previous year. What do you do? You, are there any theories like what what is happening to our faith or has been happening at least the entirety of my lifetime to our confidence in all these various institutions in the U.S.? Truth. Yeah, I'm going to go oh. along that line, but social media access to information, oh, yeah, access, we can see yeah. everything uh-huh. live, uh-huh. everything unfiltered mm-hmm. and all the opinions and all the, you know, tribalism that's happening and. I think it's social media. That's the major shift in the last 12 years, you know? And and Mm -hmm. I think it's just sort of, we've, we've kind of been broadly, some of it, right. Some of it, I think, you know, maybe, um, in some cases, you know, maybe somewhat misguided, but I think we've been increasingly conditioned to be skeptical of institutions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think also it's easier sometimes to blame like big bureaucratic, you know, organizations and structures that are difficult to really understand than it is to just blame 
human nature. Like, so if you looked at, you know, an issue, look at any major social issue, I think there's a propensity, and I know I'm certainly guilty of this. So you look at something like climate change, instead of blaming, it's easier to blame, like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't trust like big oil, or I don't trust, you know, this institution or the government or lawmakers than it is to say, look, maybe I'm part of the problem here. Maybe this is an mm-hmm. all of us problem. It's easier to mm-hmm. point at a large institution that is hard to kind of pin down than it is sometimes to be self-reflective about our own roles and just how, because like Cameron, you gave a, a, an, the example of social media. Some people would say social media, you know, these companies are large institutions. That's true. Like the engineers are, you know, the people who build it, but social media is just people. It's just the voices of people. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think it, it's easy to like point the blame at large institutions instead of sort of, Turning the focus inward all, all yeah, the time. But what I meant by social media isn't the 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 people have saying their opinions access. about stuff. It's the access to the information. Yeah. Cause like think about this, like up until this era, we didn't know anything about the private lives of our heroes and mm-hmm. our leaders mm-hmm. and our so you can hold up the president or this you know, movement leader on a, you put them on a pedestal. You don't know how that person's living their life for real. Now we do, you know, now we know all their flaws, all their lies, all their corruption. And we see it in real time. And so we're disillusioned. Whereas like ignorance was bliss up until the last 20 years. I mean, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I think about just even the stories about like old timey Babe Ruth. He was like this national hero, but the dude's just like a womanizer and a drinking all the time. Like that wasn't known. He was just a hero on the baseball field. Right now, Mm -hmm. everything is human and broken and we're aware of it all. And I don't. And to me, that just takes the shine off of stuff. You know, same thing with Michael Jordan, like Michael Jordan growing up was like, yo, he's the most in your mind. Like he's the most virtuous dude or whatever. And then it's like, nah, he's beating up his teammates. He's like a gambler, drunk. And it's like, you're like, yo, this dude, I don't know if he's a good guy. He's good at basketball, but I don't know if he's a good guy yet. Now, I feel it's a combination. Like when I said truth, it's not... I, I didn't even mean it as like, I mean, it's just like we're seeing uh, like what Cameron said, the unfiltered humanity, like we're seeing unfiltered humanity and you're seeing in real time how, you know, the money can literally change a whole situation. Like you're seeing like, OK, wow, we're we're uh, I think uh, New York, they just cut Eric Adams just cut two hundred million dollars from the school budget. You know what I mean? From the, the budget for schools. So our programs are in trouble right now. And it's like, you're seeing that in real time. And you're like, wait a minute, we have all this money. Why in the world are we cutting? If we could cut money from anything and defund anything, why would we defund schools? And you're seeing all of this in real time and not just right. your local, but you're seeing everybody's local government messages. We, I know more about Florida than I would want to know in a lifetime. Like, I, I don't yeah. want to know half of the stuff that I know about Florida, but it's just like in real time, boom, boom, anything that happens, it's just all think, in our face. You I know? think that and is so true because everything is so like it's instant. And so whereas, you know, before we had, you know, a news conference that was blasted out live on Twitter, we had to wait till five yeah. o'clock news or six o'clock news. I mean, you take, for example, example, what happened here in my state in Uvalde a couple of weeks ago or mm-hmm. whenever that was. And everything that was said in the first six hours was false. And so then you're like backtracking, trying to say the right thing. And so then when something else happens in Highland Park, you're going Wait, are they telling us the truth about what really happened? Because Mm. I remember six weeks ago when they lied to us Mm. about what happened in Uvalde. So are they trying Mm. to cover their tracks here too? I think that's hard. So then I'm like, do I trust that news conference about what happened here? Because 
I don't know. Yeah. I thought I trusted. Well, I don't know if I trust Governor Abbott before then or not, but he <laughs> says this and then it comes out to be false. I think that is too. That's something too. I feel like our leaders have always been like this. I feel like our institutions have always been like this. We just now know way too much, you know, and like, and I don't Mm -hmm. know that humans even were meant. Think about like back in the day, like you knew your village and your family, Mm -hmm. you you were unaware of what was going on in the globe. But I think, I mean, you had emperors and conquerors and like colonialism. You had terrible, terrible things happening and we just didn't know about it. Or we knew one line in a yeah. you know monthly mm-hmm. update, and, yeah. and and so now we're more aware of it every day, all day. It's stressing us out. It's just and again the disillusionment that set in is valid. I just don't think it's new. You yeah, know? and I would I also yeah. add this is that not only do we see the humanity of just the people that are running, uh, you know, governments and all of those different things, but what we don't see is the actual complexity of the job. Yeah. Like that's another thing we don't see. So like me being in D.C. talking to these senators when uh, we went for ownership as a new black, like wondering like, you know, in our mind, we're like, why don't y'all just vote to pass the things that need to be passed? But then you don't we don't understand the the nuances of what goes into that business. No more than anyone understands the nuances of uh, putting a podcast out, marketing it correctly, putting a book out, marketing it correctly. But for, but because we have all of this information, we think we know how yeah. to be the best governor for our state. We think we know how to be the best senator or the best Fed chairman and all of those different things. So that adds even more cynicism because of the information, not actually knowing the nuances of the actual jobs that we're often judging. And I think it's easy to forget too, like, a big portion of the New Testament is essentially a form of social media where one person is writing letters, unpacking the problems with institutions, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's what the Paul's letters to those churches are. Hey, how's everyone doing? Here's all the things y'all need to straighten up because your institution is broken. Like, I feel like there's something in us that seeks media that will help, you know, kind of hold institutions accountable. But to your point, Cameron and, and, and Derek, like the volume of it really, um, you know, allows us to kind of skip over just the, the complexities of trying to correct some of this stuff. You know what I'm disillusioned with is that my favorite actor, Chris Pratt, is part of a cult. He doesn't even love his <laughs> yeah. wife. It's an arranged He's marriage for political. He wants Haley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, Relax. He... <laughs> <laughs> I have some very interesting guests on the upcoming pod that uh, <laughs> will, will wildly speculate as if okay. no Alex Jones. Can is I... Alex Jones one of them? <laughs> <laughs> Can I say one more thing about that, Tyler, that I just thought about? Is I think yeah. not to get too like Christianese here, but I think this is really like good for us as followers of Jesus to remind ourselves like all of these institutions literally are just sinking sand. Like they're never, we can never find all of our hope in them. And as much as like, I want to feel confident in my representatives and my governor and all the things at the end of the day, like they're not there. It's a game. Like the the politics is a game. It is all a game and it's all frustrating. And, you know, being in Italy and looking at the media and the news that was happening here in America, it's sickening. Like it's just gross and disgusting. And no wonder people don't trust these institutions. Who should? Like that that's also the question. Like, okay, why? I don't understand. I, I have no trust either. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. right. All right. Well, uh, there's a lot more where that came from. <laughs> We're covering oh, yeah. stuff all day, every day. Uh, there's a lot happening right now. Make sure to check relevantmagazine.com as part of your daily web browsing and follow us on all the socials for the latest. Thanks, Tyler. 
Thanks, everybody. Good to see you all again. Au revoir. Bye. Au revoir. All right, stay tuned. Up next, John Cho joins us. Listening to surfaces, the song is I Can't Help But Feel. Can't help but feel a surface. Surfaces. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Today's guest is John Cho. He's an actor you know from movies like Star Trek, Columbus, and Searching. His new film is called Don't Make Me Go, and it explores a father's journey to connect with his daughter while battling a terminal illness. John was joined in this conversation you're about to hear by the movie's writer, Vera Herbert, to discuss the impact of fatherhood, cultivating a tender story in turbulent times, and why Don't Make Me Go isn't quite like any other film you'll see this year. Here's our conversation with John Cho and Vera Herbert. Let's go somewhere. We've never taken a real road trip together. No way. It's the rest of summer. We're going. I will be miserable the entire time. I will teach you to drive on the way. If you have a good attitude for real, I'll let you get behind the wheel. If you promise to never do that again, ever. I will never, ever do it again. Get out! All right, good. Thanks for taking time to talk to me. I appreciate it. And, and congratulations on, on what I thought was a really, really wonderful movie. I wasn't sure what to expect. And, and I was, but I'm, a, I'm a sucker for for any father, father done, father daughter stuff. So this hit me right there. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. My first question is for you, Vera. I'm, I'm curious about the, I, I know that stories uh, like this can take a long time to develop and they can go through a lot of different iterations and ideas of what it's actually going to look like. And I'm just curious about sort of the journey that this this story had from the, the first draft or the rough draft all the way to what we finally have now in this movie. You know, honestly, it it didn't change that much from, from early yeah. on when it became. I sort of internally did several drafts before I ever started sending it out to anyone. And then the version that I sent out is sort of really mainly what was on screen other than changing, beefing up the characters a little and doing that kind of stuff. But their overall journey and, and sort of the plot and everything always stayed the same um, from the inception right. to now. Uh, John, do you remember where you were when you first heard about the project when you first read the story and what, what the in, your initial feelings were, or what initially drew you to it? Uh, it was an email came through the traditional channels through my agent and 
I remember finishing it going, this is a movie I would like to see. And it's a movie that I want to participate in. And it's also a story on a bigger scale. I was thinking uh, it's a kind of film that I used to see more of and that I really used to like and that there are, f there are fewer and f further between today. And then I met Hannah and the, the whole combination was very attractive. And I, I said, if I can be a part of, you know, putting this thing on its feet, it would be really great. When you say this is a kind of movie there used to be more of, what exactly do you mean by that? What sort of movie is this? I think it's smaller in scope. It's uh, a personal story. Uh, it, and, you know, this kind of story now, uh, I think would be more apt to be uh, maybe a limited run television show, but I see less of this kind of uh, story in feature form. And I love features and love in, in a single sitting, you know, going through the whole story. So it was everything I like in a feature. When you're putting together a story like this, which obviously has a lot of um, which these, these subjects are very personal to a lot of people. And a lot of people have di very different experiences with things like uh, terminal illness, with their parents, uh, with death, with growing up maybe in a single parent household. Um, what are some of the complications that, uh, that arise with something like that when you're telling these kinds of stories in an attempt to be sensitive to the different experiences viewers will bring in with these things, but while still telling a story that's very unique in the sort of story that you want to tell? I think for me, it was personal to me as I was writing it, sort of inspired by my relationship with my dad, even though it was very different and not, you know, I wasn't raised by a single dad. I, you know, he didn't die of cancer, but he died when I was young. So that for me was just sort of the guiding sort of force as I was writing it, just trying to capture a relationship that felt truthful to me. And I sort of couldn't worry about is it going to speak to everyone? All I can think about is like, this speaks to me and hopefully other people are able to find things within that that are relatable to them. John, as you are putting together this, uh, this performance, what were some of the things that you feel like you had to do to inhabit this character? I don't know if you did. I don't know if you got super method about it. Like if you tried to like, I would imagine not, but what does preparation look like for something like this? Um, as I look back on it, I think the the thing that I was concerned about, and that probably was the kind of preparation for the role was making sure that the set and my relationship with Mia was going to be an appropriate one. And I wanted the experience to be really good for her. And so I find myself thinking about Mia more than I would another co-star in a film. And I knew it was her first feature. So I, I was very intent on being there for her on and off screen. And I think that that was me getting into the parental mode. And so I, I, for the duration of the shoot, really, I, I, I was just focused on the experience being something that she could look back to and uh, refer to as, as, as the right kind of way to work. Wally, what are you doing up there? I tried to text you, but, but my phone died. Your phone died? That's it? I didn't mean to scare you, I swear. Come down here right now, not you. You stay up there. There's one option, but the operation is risky. So when are you having the surgery? I don't know. How do I tell my daughter? I'm kind of it for her. So how are you? 
Uh, and by the way, I think it can be very difficult, obviously, to communicate uh, an authentic, lived-in feeling family bond on screen. And I and I noted that and in your performance and in hers as well. Obviously, she was very good and it was very believable. And and I thought it was really, really the the film really needed it and and you delivered on it. We we just we got we got on like gangbusters right off the bat, and she felt like my daughter. And and I and I've now met her dad, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird we feel, we feel close uh, i don't know so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it was easy yeah that's cool um the resonance of something like this right now in 2022 obviously a kind of a difficult time for a lot of americans uh, a lot of complicated feelings why, why do you what do you think makes this movie kind of stand out or the if insofar as this movie has a message what makes it unique and timely to the era that it's landing in I think for me, I mean, it's a movie about a tragedy that you learn to go on from, you learn to carry on and and keep going and keep living. And I do think that's a little bit of what we've all been living through the last few years is like collective trauma of the pandemic and everything else that's going on in the world. And people are finding ways to still carry on, to still find joy, to still sort of keep their lives going. And I think that that is hopefully something that this film, that is something that resonates with people from this film. Yeah, I'll echo that. I mean, we shot this film during the pandemic and uh, during, uh, you know, the kind of the earlier part of the pandemic and when we were uh, couldn't see friends and loved ones uh, easily. And that was a, a dangerous thing to <laughs> hug people and, and touch our loved ones. So it's a reminder that those relationships are the most important thing in life. And that's, for me, that's the, the if there's a message, that's the message of the film. It's, um, you know, keep what's important, important, and keep what's unimportant, unimportant. And that certainly has been the lesson of the last few years for me. Having done this, having now been seen this movie go from, you know, a script or in your case, an, an idea in your head to it, its finished product. What are you hoping, uh, like if you could pick and you can't always pick, but if you could pick what people walk away from this movie thinking about when the credits roll, the feeling that's in their, that's in their heart, that's on their minds, what would you want that to be? I would say I, I would want them to walk away with a sense of hope that no matter what happens in your life, there is always a way to continue and to carry on and to carry the love of the people in your life with you, whether you're with them or not. Um, I think that for me is a really important lesson that the film teaches. Is this what a midlife crisis is? No. Yes. I bet on you. I want you for my whole life. You have a fire inside you, Wally. Life is going to pull some moves to try and put it out. That was John Cho. Make sure to check out Don't Make Me Go. It is in theaters July 15th. Only one, the only one 
You're listening to Anna of the North. The song is Dandelion. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you for your most memorable date. I don't remember why. Mm. We were talking about that great morning radio show where they talk about dates gone bad. Oh, that's right. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Because we were recording at a, some ungodly. Oh, oh and they and they ask and they put you on the air to try to get a second yeah. date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay, so we want to know your most memorable date. Uh, you know what? Not a lot of you wanted to open up about this. We got a few though. Uh, you hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Here's a couple of our favorites. Well, Kendall said she went on a date with a guy uh, she met on Bumble, which I feel like, I, you know, I, I really, I, I all, maybe I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like I'm probably right that we all dodged a bullet by, mm, thank uh, you, Jesus. <laughs> by uh, finding our significant others before the era of online dating. Because I feel like, I feel like part of the reason this question, we didn't get a ton of answers is because in online dating, they're like, where, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, that's the common way, especially post pandemic uh, to meet people. Everyone's like, why am I going to put this out there? Because I feel like the default often is just bad dates. Like you're just expecting it to go bad. But Kendall was nice enough to open up. She said she went on a coffee date with a guy she met on Bumble, super loud talker, stood up and stretched in the middle of the coffee shop, gave me multiple high fives mm-hmm. and compared shoe sizes. First off, that sounds like the date's Why? going great. That sounds like the date. You, you can see that the man is, is limber. Because he's stretching <laughs> multiple times. He's boisterous, which is never Yo, a bad thing. Who is I've, she dating? Last time I checked, uh, uh, everyone loves high fives. So, Kendall, I, this this one might be on you. I think he's probably saying, man, I had a really bad date. I was giving multiple high fives and nothing in return. I what else can I do here? Yeah, and I showed her, I stretched out and made sure, you know, I wasn't going to get any cramps in I the date. I don't know, know what she was. Was the shoe size a prompt it or was it like, we're having a conversation about sports or something. I'm like, well, hey, I'm a size 13. What about you? Like, like, that how do so you weird. Get, how do you get there? Like, I need to know. I think you share your shoe you size arrive? on a first date because you either have like abnormally large feet or abnormally small feet. Like, like, yeah. why, how are the, I'm like, which yeah, one's how which? Does, it come does she have yeah. massive feet and he wanted to see if it was bigger than his, or does he have little yeah. tiny girl feet <laughs> and she was? Maybe he's just guys. I think. Look, maybe he's he's already thinking like, look. I'm three high fives in. This is obviously going somewhere. And I'm a big present person. And I would like to give her a pair of shoes. Maybe he's being oh, thoughtful. Oh, okay. Or maybe he's, oh, maybe he's a sneakerhead. She's wearing some dope J's. Mm. And, she, and he was like, hey, can I borrow those? Let me see what size you are. That kind of a thing. Maybe he was... Maybe he was just trying to. Or maybe he has a weird maybe. foot fetish and he only likes size seven. Yikes. I don't know. You went there. You went there. <laughs> Yikes. Either way, date Kendall, seems to be I'm going sorry. great, in my I'm opinion. Sorry, Kendall. Sorry, Kendall. Yeah. Uh, ERB, Rose, uh, she says uh, this dude took me on a surprise date to a gun range no. without checking to see if I'm okay with guns. I'm not. To be honest, though, it was a pretty quick way to figure out if it'd work out or not. So that's true. Just shoot your shot, literally. And see oh if it'll work gosh. out. <laughs> Just see if he it'll was work telling out. You, he was shooting this shot. You know, he was trying. To, he was being poetic. You didn't yeah. even catch it. That is That's a bold him. first date for a That's dude a to pick. Move. That is very yeah. bold. Very good. But yeah. I, I appreciate showed up with a MAGA hat. I appreciate him saying, this is who I am. This is the life I want to live. Do you want to be part of it? She could say, no, thank you right away. Good for him. Both of these seem like Sorry. honest people. You know, like at least the, look, look, if you're getting in a relationship with a chronic high fiver, it's good to know from the outset. 
You know, you don't want to find that out. Here's an example. If, if if that gentleman were to suppress his urge to give copious amounts of high fives in until all the social wedding settings, reception. yeah, yeah or, or until he or meets your family. Night. Or, or oh, what about even? Great job! Or, but what about the time you meet hey, your family Xavier for the first time? Is a rare form. Oh my gosh! Italy changed her. Not what you're looking for. She, yeah. She's not religious anymore. She still yeah. got some wine in her. Oh gosh! <laughs> oh Yo. man! All right. Well, there's more where that came from. Go check it out, and uh, you can add yours as well. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Well, earlier in the show, uh, we got talking about travel, international travel, missing international travel. Uh, and Jamie uh, brought up the question about the socks in the plane, the disgusting habit that many of us used to have of walking <laughs> to the bathroom in our socks. And uh, I got us thinking, we want to know the craziest thing, grossest thing, craziest thing you've seen on uh, your travels, whether it be on an airplane, in an airport. We've all seen stuff. We've all experienced stuff. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and tell us the craziest story of what you've seen during your travels. There you I go. still can't believe people walk to the bathroom in their socks. It's very comfortable. You just getting, it's very what? <laughs> comfortable. You don't want to have to. talking about socks on a plane, though? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's gross. Oh, it's great. On a it's plane, great. bro. Like, it still don't make sense to me. Like, I could see accidentally stepping in your own. Somebody else accidentally stepping in (laughs) public bathrooms are where the walking dead virus started it had to start in a public bathroom and you walking in that mug with white socks that's the problem y'all don't have white socks on i bet you wouldn't walk to the public bathroom if you had some white socks on i guarantee that's true i don't yeah i don't wear socks anywhere but my own home that's just a general rule. There's no good place to wear them except for your own home. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, hit us up. Well, before we wrap up, I want to remind you of a couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, big news is our summer digital issue is out now. You can go read the issue for free. Thanks to World Vision. They're the presenting sponsors of it. Uh, just go to relevantmagazine.com, click on magazine, and there's everything. Uh, if you want to have a beautifully designed print-like experience meant for tablets or your desktop, uh, ad-free, our enhanced edition is available as part of Relevant Plus. Uh, subscribers not only get the enhanced digital magazine ad free, but you get unlimited access to all the articles at relevantmagazine.com ad free. You get this podcast early released and ad free, and you get another exclusive subscriber podcast each week as well. Uh, there's a lot more in the pipeline. Go check out Relevant Plus. It's only two fifty. It's plan start as low as two fifty a month, and you can sign up right there by clicking the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. There's lots of stuff to do and see there at the website now. Um, also, if you haven't checked out our store in a while, head over to see some of the new uh, podcast merch and other merch that we've been adding, relevantstore.com, and make sure to make relevantmagazine.com part of your daily web browsing. We've got new stuff being published every day at the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron String. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you next time. Have a good week, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com 
And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. I'm excited to come to you on your local NPR station from the latest podcast from heaven. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.